All right, I have a question for you. Um, and remember, this is a Bible study. So honesty is encouraged. Is there anyone in the room who's had a life before Christ? Raise your hand. Oh. All right, you can put your hands down. But look around you. You are in good company. That tells us two things. You're not alone. There's so, we've all had a life before Christ, right? Every single human on the planet. And the second thing it tells us is that God loved you too much to let you stay, stay stuck there. He came to rescue you and deliver you from sin. And the way, the way he did that was through his son, Jesus Christ. John first, or John, just regular John, one, well, he is the same person, not that there's a regular and an irregular. <laughs> Rewind. Okay, um, John 1, 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we move into 1 John 3 with an understanding of what it means to be a child of God and what we are called to do as a result. So we'll explore John's explanation of the practice of righteousness and the practice of sin. And we'll talk about love and what God's love looks like for us and our love for him. And how does that translate into our love for others? And finally, we'll talk about the assurance we have as a child of God. This is just a little roadmap um, for you to follow along. So let's pray and get started. Oh, Lord, we love you so very, very much. But nothing compares to the extravagant love you have shown us in your son, Jesus. Would you send your spirit today to teach and to guide us through your word? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, let's think about John for a minute. The common belief among scholars is that John wrote these letters somewhere between 90 and 95 AD. So at this point... He is old. He's very old. He's the only living member of Jesus' most intimate followers. John's brother James and Peter have both died. And these three were with Jesus at his transfiguration. They walked with him. They ate with him. They talked with him. They saw him perform miracles. They witnessed Jesus' teaching to thousands of people multiple times. John knew Jesus well. In fact, he was, he referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. So for John to talk about Jesus in his letters to the church was to testify to the truth. John doesn't say anything in his gospel or his epistles that he has not witnessed or learned from Jesus firsthand. John is a first-generation Jesus follower, so we can know that his words are trustworthy. Can you imagine? Like, I'm, I'm getting older now, and I think as we age, we have a tendency to look back on our life, and we reflect and we think about 
the things that were important, the memories that we carry with us, the things that shaped who we are. And think about John when he looks back and he realizes that he walked with the Son of God physically, like eating with him. And that is mind-boggling to me. And um, it just kind of gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. So, um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful moment for John, I think. And as he does look back, he wants everyone to know what he knows. He's thinking, is there anything else that needs to be said? I want to make sure people understand who Jesus was and what that means for them. So this week, we pick up our study in 1 John 2, 28 through um, 3, 24. And now, verse 29 is, uh, 28 and 29 are part of chapter 2, but they transition us into the idea of new birth or being born of God, and then the outflow of that into right living. So according to John, the evidence of a regenerated heart or new birth is doing what is right. The NIV translation says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Well, this is where it can be confusing because we all know that even those who are born of God don't do what is right all the time. And those who are not born of God may at times do what is right. Well, this is um, where I prefer the ESV translation because uh, this translation puts it this way. And this is what Jen teaches from. If you know that that he, Jesus, is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. The word practices is important here because even those who are born of God mess up, don't we? Yes. I'm so glad you said that. (sighs) We are learning the ways of Jesus by practicing righteousness so that over time those practices may become habits as we are formed more and more into the likeness of Christ. This is also known as sanctification. We are all weak in the flesh, And while that doesn't excuse our sin, we can know that when we do fall short, the Spirit quickly checks us. So you know that feeling that you get when maybe what you did wasn't the best representation of God? Um, Well, this happened to me recently. So, um, you know, some people in your family or life are just difficult They're just difficult for whatever reason. And um, it's not you, Lauren. It's not you. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Um, Just wanted to make that clear. And it's not you, Cindy. Where are you? Okay, it's not you either. Um, So, uh, but communication can be challenging with those people. So in this particular instance, I was talking with a person on the phone. And before I knew it, the conversation sort of shifted. And I quickly sensed that it wasn't going well. And that what was being said was triggering me. And rather than take a deep breath, calm down, just 
just step back, take a moment, regroup. I um, jumped to an unhealthy response. I hung up quickly and then proceeded to vent out loud all of my frustrations to the person I was with, which happened to be my sister. So she, of course, completely understood because she has had the same experience with said person. Um, it was not my best moment, but because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, I knew immediately that I had sinned in thought and in attitude. In fact, I knew while it was happening, but I couldn't stop myself. You know, ugh, it's just so hard sometimes. I had, I had set a poor example of Christ-like love. I had set no example of Christ-like love. Um, I was guilty, and I had to face the Lord and confess and repent and ask for forgiveness. So here's what I'm getting at. Okay, let me just, I have to be honest, that didn't happen right away. I had to be mad for like a couple days. Um, it made, I don't know why, I just couldn't. Maybe I was embarrassed. Maybe I was so ashamed and so guilty that I couldn't sit before God. That's, yeah, that's it right there. Um, I just processed with you guys. Thank you. Okay. Um, but anyway, I did eventually go to God and confess and repent and ask for forgiveness. So here's what I'm getting at. Everybody who practices what is right, all of us, we're also human. And we're not going to get it right every single time. 1 John 1.9 says, When we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. That is his promise. And he is a promise keeper. Once we process our sin with God, which means we sit with him, we share, we confess, we are quiet before him and we let him pour into us, then he calls us not to stay there, but he calls us to get up again and keep going. Keep practicing obedience. And the more we practice leaning into God and doing what is right, Eventually, eventually, it will become a habit. It is part of who we are. It becomes part of who we are. So Jesus, in this process, is replacing our old sinful habits with new behavior, new responses that align with God's word. This is not to say that doing what is right leads to salvation. That's not what I'm saying. There is nothing we can do to earn salvation. Rather, it is a gift from God, for salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I like the way Carrie Dearborn says it this way. Salvation is a dynamic relationship with the Father through the Son that will be made apparent by the way people live and love. Isn't that good? I'm going to read it one more time. Salvation is a dynamic relationship with the Father through the Son that will be made apparent by the way people live and love. Oh, that's so good. I wish I would have wrote that. 
Conversely, people who don't profess faith in Jesus can do good things, but the truth is not in them. The love that comes from Jesus is not the motivation behind their deeds. Maybe they do good things, but they still reject Jesus as the Son of God. Maybe they've been deeply hurt by someone in the church, or maybe they've been hurt by someone else, and they can't understand how a loving God would allow something so evil to happen. God does not cause bad things to happen. Anything that does not align with God's character is not of God. Sin, any kind of sin, never aligns with God's character. And the message puts it this way in um, chapter 3, verse 4. Sin is a major disruptor of God's order. Sin is a major disruptor of God's order. And then in verse 8, those who make a practice of sin are from the devil, the pioneer in the practice of sin. I love that, the pioneer in the practice of sin. I don't love that. You know what I mean. So, sin originated with the enemy, and it continues to this day. Habitual sin indicates an absence of an abiding relationship with God, and we only need to look at what is happening in our world to know that the enemy is alive and well, prowling around like a a roaring lion, seeking to devour as many people as he can before Christ comes again. We are living in between the first advent and the second. In his first advent, Jesus defeated Satan through his atoning death on the cross. And when Jesus comes again, he will make all things new. And sin and death will no longer exist. So um, when I was thinking about all of this, I had this vision of um, what it looks like, bear with me, to follow to practice righteousness. So if this is you, and you're practicing righteousness, every little deed that is, no, let me, let me rephrase that. This is what happens when I don't look at my notes. Um, every time we practice righteousness, we get a little stronger. We're exercising those muscles, right? We're, we're following Jesus a little bit closer. When we reject righteousness and follow sin, we get a little bit farther away from righteousness. Sin and righteousness cannot coexist. They battle each other now. The tension that we feel, what we see going on in our world, is evidence that sin and righteousness cannot fully coexist. There's a battle going on. So we are either practicing righteousness or we are practicing sin. And the more we practice either one of those, the farther we get from the other. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, We cannot follow both. We have to choose one. We practice righteousness by actively engaging in a with God life through prayer, the study of scripture, and intentional time with God. We do this individually, and we do it corporately. Our bodies 
and the larger body of Christ are in training for our with God life. This is what Jesus did with his disciples, and it's what he does with us today through his spirit. So, um, let's talk about love, what it means to pursue love. This is the outflow of that righteous living. The word love is interesting. There are several definitions out there. One is a strong feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection, such as for a parent, friend, or child. That's valid, right? We all feel, there's a sweet little baby over there. I even feel love for that baby, and it's not mine. I mean, it's just what we do as people, right? We have our family and our friends that are close, and we love them. We depend on them. Then there's a tender, passionate affection for another person. Sometimes we've experienced that. Then there's the active, self-giving concern for the well-being of others. It is this last definition that describes the love Jesus has for us. A, an active, self-giving concern for the well-being of others. God knew we were a sorry bunch and incapable of righteousness on our own. So he sent his son, first to teach us his ways and then to die an excruciating death in order to atone for the sins of the very people he created, yet who then rejected him in the hope that they might repent, receive forgiveness, and live with him in eternity. That is self-giving love and a holy concern for the well-being of others. From the Renovare um, Spiritual Formation Bible, I really like this quote. It just explains it so well. He died to release humankind from death and restore it to the life of grace. In this way, he drew everything to himself, for he proved his unspeakable love and the human heart is always drawn by love. The human heart is always drawn by love. Well, a few weeks ago, Jen talked about love. Referring to godly love, she said, the mind analyzes and the will chooses. As we consider the extravagant love with which our Jesus loves us, is it any wonder that he calls us to love others in the same manner? This is not a love based on impulse. This love, oh, oh, sorry. Um, this love is based on gratitude and a deep desire to do what is pleasing to the Father by extending grace and kindness first to our brothers and sisters in Christ and then to those who have yet to experience the unspeakable love of Jesus. Once again, in verse 311, John echoes the old commandment. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. He has told us what true love looks like. But in the very next passage, beginning in verse 11, he tells us what it is not. You should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds, Cain's, were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain was jealous of Abel and had no regard for his holy God, 
And when it came to bringing an offering to the Lord, Cain, all it tells us is that Cain offered fruit from the ground. It doesn't say anything else about Cain's sacrifice. But it is implied that it wasn't the choicest fruit. Abel offered the fat portions of the best of his flock, knowing that the blood sacrifice is what God required for the forgiveness of sins. It was the heart behind the gift that God regarded as righteous. Abel's heart was righteous. Cain is the archetype of those who oppose God. The fact that God can see deep into our souls can be a tremendous comfort, or in Cain's case, a cause for fear and trembling. But in the story of Cain and Abel, we see the stark difference between a heart that loves God and a heart that rejects God. And God knows the difference. All right, there's this sweet, sweet little book that I bought Christmas of 2020, and I gave a copy of it to every member of my family. Well, every family in my family. And um, it's called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. Are you familiar with this book? How many? Uh, yes, I see heads nodding. If you are an adult... I recommend this book. If you know a child, I would highly encourage you to sit and read this book with said child. It is, every page in this book is quote worthy. It is, um, it is so beautiful and very simple, but it has a big, big impact. So um, there's, it's about friendship, and the boy is walking along, and he meets a mole. And the mole, the illustrations are absolutely lovely, um, but <clears throat> he meets a mole. And they're just getting to know each other, so they're asking each other questions. Really, really good questions. And um, the boy says, isn't it odd See, there's the boy. Do you see the boy and the mole? And they're sitting on, standing on a rock in this river. And the boy says, isn't it odd? We can only see our outsides, but everything happens on the inside. That's thought-provoking, isn't it? Yeah. It affects how we love or don't love others well, doesn't it? Jesus sees our inside. He knows our heart. Isn't it comforting to know that Jesus knows you, that he gets you, that he understands you far more than you understand yourself? He knows your heart. Even when you mess up, he still loves you desperately. He pursues you. He finds you when you stumble. He helps you up. He dusts you off. And he sets you back on the path of righteousness. The disciples witnessed this kind of love as Jesus went about the crowds in Judea and all of Samaria. They saw firsthand how he loved people, how he saw beyond what was visible into what was invisible. Their hurt, their pain and suffering, their faith, and sometimes their unbelief. 
he did everything in love. His compassion was so great, and yet he didn't force anyone into believing in him. And he had the power to do that. He could have done that, but he didn't. He loved them enough to allow them to choose. He is God. He probably already knew what they were going to choose. But even when people spat on him and mocked him, he loved them through it all, even asking the Father's forgiveness on their behalf. So, let's talk about possessing assurance. How do we know after we have loved and we've lived this life? When we see Jesus again, how will we know? Can we go before him boldly with joy or will we be a little nervous? Well, true confessions, again, I am not a person who is easily assured of anything. I question everything. My husband Todd says, everyone has a word, and my word is knowing. I have to know things. Is that normal? (laughs) Oh, like that. I, I have to know what that noise is. Okay. I have to know how something works. Why does it have to be a certain way? Why are you turning right, Todd, when you could go straight and we could get there faster? (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, there are things. Um, But I am assured of one thing. For those who love others with the overflow of the indwelling Holy Spirit and who confess that Jesus Christ is the incarnate Son of God, and whose lives have been shaped by a deep intimacy with God, God, they will run to Jesus. And my guess is that Jesus, with deepest love and affection, will welcome them with open arms into eternity. We set up, as some of you know who go to church here, we have a new wall, um, and our, our... whatever you call it, our yearly message, goal, whatever, is one life at a time. We're asking everyone to think about that one person that you want to pray for, that you want to experience the love of Jesus. And we're writing their name. Um, We're asking people to write the name of their person on this vinyl wall so that everybody in the church can be praying for that person. We want as many people as possible to come and be able to stand before Jesus and be welcomed into heaven with open arms. We will all stand before him someday, and we will see him as he is, and we will be like him. Will this be cause for fear and trembling? not for those who abide in God and on whom his spirit rests. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, let's remember Colossians 3, 12 through 13. This is from the message. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, 
and quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Wasn't that so nice of God to think about us girls and our wardrobe and what we should put on? It is your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. All right, and I'm going to, we're going to close early today. That's my gift to you for food for thought. Um, But I have one more quote that I want to share from this sweet little book. Um, I went to order another couple copies, and they were on back order. So just saying, get your order in early. Um, All right. So the boy and the mole are sitting on a tree branch. And the mole says to the boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Kind, said the boy. What do you think success is, asked the boy. To love, said the mole. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we cannot fathom the love with for which you that you have for us. It is extravagant, it is unspeakable. We cannot comprehend it. But it draws us, Father. It draws us to you in ways that are unexpected. So Lord, I pray that we would be mindful of your presence in our lives, that we would pay attention, open our eyes and our hearts to see you in those moments. And Lord, in those opportunities that you give us every day to love others with that same type of love, Would you help us stay alert? Keep our eyes open to your work. Draw us in. Fill us up and send us out that we may serve you well and bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.